0: Hey guys, Bader Badrudin here from Anim Dojo, and welcome to our fourth podcast. With me here is Tom Box, uh, co founder of Blue Zoo and Anim Dojo. Hello. And Nagar Bagheri, who is head of LookDev
1: at Blue Zoo.
2: Hi.
1: So, in previous podcasts, we've uh, discussed festival etiquette, we've done Cheryl Do's and Don'ts, and in the last one, we interviewed animation director Ben Steer on career anxiety, focus, and direction. And in this one, we wanted to continue on the trend of uh, job applications. So in this podcast, we're focusing on what happens after you finish your showreel and you upload it, that next step, which is applying for jobs. So to do that, we spoke to Jill Wallace from Axis and Sarah Tanner from Jellyfish Pictures.
3: So my name is Jill Wallace. I am the head of HR at Axis Studios. Uh, I'm currently based up in Glasgow, but Axis Studios has three studios across the UK, one in Glasgow, one in Bristol, and one in London. Um, As a head of HR, um, a a huge part of my role is responsibility and overseeing all the recruitment for our studios.
4: My name's Sarah Tanner. I'm the HR director at Jellyfish Pictures. Uh, We're based in London, so we have four studios. We've got a studio uh, in um, central London near Soho, just off Margaret Street. We've got one in Brixton, and we have two other studios in Oval. Um, our Brixton and Oval studios are um, based around producing animation, um, largely. Largely from our studio in Margaret Street, we do much of the sort of the VFX film TV uh, productions from there.
1: So we asked them a bunch of questions, and the first one is uh, how best to apply to animation studios. So this is what Jill and Sarah had to say.
3: Due to the the range of projects that that we have in the studio across our three studios, we have to adopt a a range of processes to to find key talent. So one of the the most direct ways to to get in touch with Axis is to send your CV and showreel in via or direct application on the website. Um, This is, I guess, is the most convenient route uh, that you can take. You can fill in a job-specific application or, as I've said, a general speculative application. Um, Speculative applications are very welcome. Um, These are reviewed and catalogued for future opportunities. Um, Similarly, you can just send us an email with your show and, and letter direct to the recruitment inbox. Um, again these are, are cataloged and, and reviewed and database. I would suggest getting onto to Vimeo and YouTube and, and posting your showreel and, and portfolio links up there. Similarly you can use places like artstation there's there's great online resources available nowadays for, for talent to post their uh, their artwork and these are uh, sites that access frequently uh, reviews and um, accesses in order to find the best talent.
4: So the best way to contact us at jellyfish um, is via our website um equally we'll be advertising on linkedin or through a number of websites so always the best way to contact us is in response to an advert or via our website where um, there will be a careers page and you go onto the careers page and there'll be links to specific vacancies and, and roles that we're we're recruiting for often um, jellyfish will also have a, um, a a place to apply speculatively so if you can't see a role that's right for you then there's a way for you to send through your, your cv and showreel as well so the best way to do it is online because we get a large number of applications so what we'll be able to do is to be able to capture all of the information in one place um, it also means that we can contact you um, if you apply for a role and are unsuccessful it means we can hold your information and contact you for something in the future uh, that might appeal to you and, and be suit and suit your skills and experience.
1: So that's quite similar uh, advice from the, both studios. Sounds like websites is the route to go.
2: I think for sort of ease of access, and especially because we've got so many projects kind of happening at the same time, and and, and different managers looking for people and different criterias, the online applying applications is very good. And I know on our site, if you do make a profile, you can always revisit. And, um, and keep updating that so you know that that's kind of the root of it and then uh, I think there was ArtStation was mentioned and especially for um, those people that want to get involved into in kind of design work and visual development it's really important to build an online presence and and you know it, even ArtStation is nice and it's good to put uh, I've said before to students to keep sort of more more polished work on there because it is essentially it's your showcasing your portfolio but it's also good to have like a little link in there going to their instagram page because that's kind of your work in progress and for especially things like character design we love to see roughs that sometimes they inform us better of of the kind of um style and and the kind of person we're looking for for a design job so really good to keep on top of that and and the and the third thing is more of a face to face, and I think you can you can do a lot of that via LinkedIn, the kind of networking, and and via Instagram, things like that. But it's really important to touch base with people in the industry, and um, if you're a student with with the guys you went to uni with, or you know did a short course with, or it's just really good to hold on to those links because sometimes um we still you know rely on on word of mouth because if we, if we've got a short project, let's say with we want to have the confidence and we will take someone that we know and their recommendation over, you know, having to scout through hundreds of, of rails. So all, all those three methods are, are, are really important to sort of keep on top of, I think.
1: And I guess it's, it's about finding, uh, making it easy for the recruiter to find you, which yeah, all of those exactly. point towards. Yeah.
0: I think I have one sort of comment that I'd like to add, and it's more from the studio that's recruiting's point of view. It's kind of a pet peeve of mine that I used to have <laughs> where um, you, after you've applied and then they ask you to fill in again your yeah. work experience and it's like well that's my CV like, like I, I can understand wanting to build a database but I think there should be a balance between that I mean you know this is my, my, my yeah. own experience like a balance between gathering work uh, examples and the people's names and contact details versus yeah having to recreate their entire application process online again. Yeah. Um I I, I understand that there are reasons for that. Mm. But it's a balance. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I guess when it's when it's a really big studio and it's hard to keep on top of and there's so many teams managing the recruitment side that you do get lost in the woodworks. And um, that that's exactly it. It's it's making sure that, you know, you are sort of either reapplying when it's when it's necessary to or yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. It, is, it can be tedious,
1: yeah. yeah. We, could, we could rename this podcast into the Bader's Pet Peeve podcast <laughs> every week. <laughs> um, so I guess I think an, also an important thing that I think Jill touched on is that about speculative applications. Mm. Uh, and I think something we talk about later in this podcast is just because there's a job that's, that's advertised doesn't mean you should apply for it when you can apply for a speculative. Yeah. Um, because if you're not fit for it, you're you're not mm. going to really get into an interview. So yeah, uh, go for a speculative
0: if... It might, it might also like paint you in a very, um, I wouldn't say negative way, but it would at least kind of make them question, you know, why did you apply for, for example, a mm. supervisor role when you're clearly still yeah. a junior? So it just kind of... Yeah, I mean, Nor- it's, good to, it's good
1: to have ambition, but a yeah. sensible yeah. act of ambition,
0: I guess. <laughs> um,
1: cool. So the next question we asked uh, is regarding CVs and cover notes and really what their purpose is. As everyone says, it's all about Sherrill. So why even
2: bother with a CV
1: and cover note? Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm going to
2: be briefly honest. <laughs> I was <I> like, <laughs> get around
1: to reading. Sure, yeah. uh, okay, well, um, let's hear what Jill and Sarah had to say
3: so i think it, it's super important to include a cv alongside your application um a cover note i would say it's useful to have a cover note um because it gives a bit more context as to why you're applying to a studio um, i guess in some ways it also gives a studio a bit more um encouragement as to to the fact that you may have tailored that application and, and CV and cover letter to that particular studio, and it, and it shows that you've gone maybe beyond uh, what some other applicants have done. Um, so it, it, it can it can make your application go further sometimes considering that the extra effort, I guess, is, is a way to look at it that you've gone to include a cover letter. Um, and it also just gives a bit more context to, to your CV because ultimately you don't want to make a CV five, six pages long. So a couple of pages for a CV and a join that alongside a cover letter is, as, as I guess, in some ways, the ideal application route plus a kick-ass portfolio. Um, in terms of, of the content in your CV, considering it's a creative environment and an industry that, that we all work in, I think it is good to be creative with your CV. Um, after all, the recruitment team are, are looking at, at CVs and, and portfolios Um, many, many, many times in in a day and and looking at many CVs over the course of a week. So being creative, i.e. making it stand out and making it a little bit unique, maybe a bit quirky, is is always going to get you noticed. Um, But I think it's important that um, being creative with your CV doesn't overshadow the content in it and and the legibility and the attention to detail within it because all of those things will go against you if you submit an application with... um, a, a badly spelt CV or, 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 you know, some kind of obvious errors?
4: So for me personally, the CV and cover note are still really important um, when applying for a role. So obviously in the creative in the creative industries, it's really, really important to have a really strong showreel um, that really visually encapsulates in, your talent and your skills. Um, however much experience you've had, the showreel, does provide a really good example of the work you are are capable of right now Um, and it gives a really good indication of your potential as well for your creative thought and vision that's gone into that um the cv and the covering letter doesn't again doesn't have to be massive but it should be short and succinct but for me personally i know that if I know that in your covering letter you've written specifically to me at Jellyfish, I understand and you'll stand out more to me because I know that you've applied to me personally and you've taken the time to consider why you want to work for Jellyfish. I appreciate everyone ha- Everyone will be applying for lots of different jobs. So it's really important in a whole pile of covering letters and showreels, if there's one that stands out that's particularly written to me at Jellyfish, that will stand out more to me because i I will feel that you actually want to work for me personally rather than the other 50 people that you've applied for
1: so it's all about making it personable and giving your showreel context nego what are you going to keep in with
2: <laughs> i no to be honest i'll take it back a bit because it's it, sometimes sometimes we're pushed for recruitment and we need to process a lot of applications so no I don't have a chance to read through the whole thing and some people do really put a lot of effort into writing it and I, I know that's not right but it's just not the physical time but to be honest I, I do take sort of note of that and you do skim through it so actually it does it does inform you of at least their attitude towards work and you know however little it is you still kind of get some you gauge kind of what someone's goals are and and the mentality and whether it will be the right fit for the studio even if it's not that personalized you you get that oh you you checked out our work and why you want to work here and you know it's like a sort of uh, pre and also kind of coming in for the interview and the interview process um the the cv completely agree that of course you need to kind of maintain a balance because you can make it look more creative and interesting and they do pop out but we have had cvs where it's really difficult to to read what's on there so the the, the being legible is key
0: (laughs) yeah i think in terms of reading cvs i i totally agree i mean when we were also recruiting you know because it, it's the size of the studio I guess you yeah. know like some some studios would have like a, a whole dedicated HR department mm. so they would obviously like be able to sift through CVs and mm. whereas if you know the animation director themselves or the leads are going through you know show reels they probably don't have time to yeah. dig through I, unless say, unless they wanted to then interview someone and then they would kind of maybe go through it just really quickly I
1: mean every animation studio is different but I thought it's more common than not for people to look at a show as their first port of call yeah. mm. then if that passes the quality test yeah. they'll then look at the CV which yeah. means that a loss of CVs will never be seen because the person watching the
0: show probably won't yeah. think it's right for the project so mm. therefore won't then look at the CV and a note on cover letters or cover notes um, I don't know I mean me, this is me personally I found that a short quick simple yeah. Yeah, uh, you know cover note is just a lot more likely to be completely read as Makes opposed it friendly. to friendly. Yeah, yeah it, and it should it shouldn't come across as you know, dear sir, hiring manager, blah blah yeah. blah. Like keep it, you know, hey, my name is blah blah blah, and I've done this and I've done that and. You know, I really keen to get onto the studio, and I just wanted to share my work with you. Hope to hear back. something, you know, just yeah. as clear and simple as that. And, and
2: always start with a compliment to the studio. Yes. <laughs>
0: also, the right studio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah get that. the
2: name right. No,
0: the... But that, thats another thing. Um, if you're going to be copying and pasting, yeah, make sure you do not forget yeah. to change the studio name. Yeah, because that can really back up a
1: ridiculously common mistake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After that, we went on to websites, and we to find out. If they have a purpose, if having a show on on just uh, Vimeo or whatever platform is is enough. So this is what Jill and Sarah from Axis and Jellyfish thought of that.
3: Um, I, I don't think I don't think you necessarily need a website nowadays. As I said, you know you can you can you can use LinkedIn, get your resume up there. You can link your Vimeo or your ArtStation link to your LinkedIn profile. Um, I think within the, the the profile page in Vimeo you could you could include a short breakdown, you can you could include some contact details, some CV information. So I think nowadays considering the the other bespoke industry uh, resources that exist online, I don't think you necessarily need to go and create a, a specific website as such. For us, we'd rather see the effort to some extent going into that portfolio and showreel rather than having a super flash website that I guess if you want to focus your attention on one thing in particular that's going to get you work then it's what the content of that showreel portfolio is rather than um, a bells and whistles website that's taking you four months to create.
4: With regards to a website I would say the most important thing really is a showreel. If there is a website then and you've got enough content, then fantastic. If you're only starting out into the industry, it's very really basic. Um, it's probably not necessary. You probably want to, as again, as I said before, focus just on your showreel, Really. Um, that said, the more experience you become, and if you've got a sort of a breadth of work, um, a website can be great as well because it shows breadth of um, uh, breadth of experience and skills. So it's not a bad thing. I just wouldn't spread yourself too thin that you're trying to do all your efforts on a showreel and a website and a CV. I would focus very heavily on your creative stuff and having an outstanding showreel as best you possibly can with a nice, strong, succinct CV. And if you have the time and the ability and capability to have a strong, strong website, fantastic. But as I say, having all three is awesome. But the focus, probably, as I say, to starting out would be really your showreel and your CV and covering letter.
1: That quite surprised me that they weren't very uh, overly keen on websites in, the, in terms of their importance, where I thought they mm. they play a more uh, more slightly more important role. But both Jill and Sarah said they weren't that essential. I mean, I, I only
0: have one thought on it because um, I remember a long time ago I've, I've been experimenting with making web, my own website for ages. Every every there was always a new website every year, mm. pretty much. Mm. From 2006 up until like 2012, I I'm gonna it. look for these websites. <laughs> they're, all, they're all gone now. They're all no, nothing's ever gone <laughs> on the internet. It's <laughs> all the black hole of the internet. Um, but um, one thing I learned was that over the years and kind of learning about what's the best way to present your work, surprisingly, as visual artists, we tend to have the worst websites. It's always badly designed there's always I mean we're not web designers unless that's what you're doing, yeah.
1: which is the danger of building websites exactly it can put
0: people off yeah, I mean, there are these websites that exist where you can you know, go through templates, but again, you're still having to make these decisions and you're putting things up, and you don't know whether or not it's compatible with their browsers and the the, the player that you're using yeah, you know? that's I mean true. Yeah. That, that, for me, is the biggest issue. It's not so much about whether you have one or not. You know, you can have a website, but you're better off still having something that's a bit more standard. Yeah. You know, like, like an art station or a Vimeo page, just something to keep it simple. I think
1: uh, one thing I think Jill also said, I don't think it was in that clip, was that uh, the, the risk it carries is the more you show, the more there is to critique and mm. If you put all of the stuff you've ever made, some of that's not going to be great. It might be from five years ago or whatever when you weren't as good as you are now. So there's a tendency to if you build a website, you think oh, I've got to fill this with content, and that can be detrimental because you're not, you're not kind of uh, refining and cur- refining, yeah. Refinery, <laughs> so you're not, you're not refining and curating what yeah. you're putting out there as much.
0: I personally would disagree with that. Only on one point is that. Whenever I get an application and I see someone's Vimeo and I like, I like their work, I go through and I, I, I keep seeing backwards and backwards. I might even go back all the way to their uni work. Mm-hmm. And I like seeing the progression because at least it shows me, oh, so like over the past five years, they've actually made some big strides. But then you've got to be clear that that's like date your work. Well, that's, boys, that's the thing, yeah. Know, right? <laughs> that, that's, that's the benefit of it being, for example, on a Vimeo page because it's yeah. dated. Whereas if it's on a website and it's just put all together, and yes. it's, I can't tell. And it's a drawing you did 10 years ago. Exactly. And looks, There's no way I you know. could tell.
2: <laughs> I think, you know, they're right in saying that you should f- find areas of f- focusing in, on your work and how you share that. So if depending on the job you're applying for, especially with animation, lighting, comp, modelling, all, all those jobs, texturing, shading yes a, a, a show role is important that's that's what we need to see that's key mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter that sort of what platform you put that on as long as it's accessible then that's fine. But I think websites are useful if you are a designer and it helps sort of brand develop your brand and your style and I think that when we look for people like that it's not the case of, if we're looking for an animator or a lyser or a compra, whatever it is, we're looking at the skill set in that work. We need to be able to know that they're gonna they're gonna come into the studio and either get trained up or can pick up can pick up the work that we're doing. It's collaborative, you know, everyone's kind of doing the same type of work. But if we want to get a designer in for something specific, usually we want them to bring some of their personality and their thoughts and their design process. So in in those cases um, to be honest sometimes a lot of the time we scout for this kind of stuff so we we know of an artist or we pick them up on Pinterest or or Instagram or ArtStation or whatever or word of mouth and we would go and explore their website and if I think that's really key if you're a designer be on those platforms but also try and build a website and there are templates you can use you know in the end you're just you're displaying images but to be honest if you're starting out doing it the best thing to do is you're probably following designers go on their websites check how they've presented their work because if you're going to build that it needs to have it needs to be coherent you need to uh, split split your work out like Beda's saying that you know if if you want to look for more of their work you should be able to find it really easily and you just need to make sure it's accessible
0: and i think just to touch on that mm. i would say that the simpler the platform that yeah. it's on, the better. Like, whether you're going for making your own website, you know, even if it's a simple thing, it's just scrolling. Like, yeah. you know, like, just it's it's like a, you know, blog type where it's just going all the way down and then, like, you can link to different, you know, as opposed to it being like a Flash type. Yeah, just yeah. a simple
1: oh, yeah, Squarespace or Wix template. Yeah. Just yeah. nice, clean and minimal. Yeah. There's less to go wrong. Exactly. But,
2: I mean, we're saying Explore More Work, but still don't put any old thing on uh, there. Yeah. Like, yeah. it but still needs to be refined down.
1: I think everything we've been talking about is about putting yourself kind of out there in different websites, like from the art station to Instagram. And the best thing a website can do is be that hub that brings all those links together. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if you're spread out, a recruiter might not know you've got an Instagram. As long as they're relevant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Uh, So um, in terms of CVs, we really wanted to, kind of look further into the the dos and don'ts and the purpose of CVs so uh really how to make it um as purposeful as possible and to to hit the ground running when a, a recruiter sees it this is what Jill and Sarah uh, thought on that subject
3: um i think the purpose of a CV is to understand a bit more about the the types of projects that they've, they've worked on, perhaps the, the, the types of responsibilities that they may have had um, towards a particular project. Um, it's also, I think, important to include in a CV um, any industry accolades that you may have been awarded, any additional industry training that you've taken part in or indeed given, because um, I think all these additional things that, that you can't necessarily see from a showreel uh, are a good indication of the type of applicant that you're looking at who, who has gone kind of maybe beyond, over over and above what other applications um, other applicants have, have done themselves. So having these extra pieces of information in the CV, I think, is, is really useful because it's information that you can't necessarily get elsewhere. It's good for a studio like us to, to get a sense of the, the, the different variety of projects that, that an applicant might have worked on. Um, But it's important to say that, obviously, our industry is well-versed in in non-disclosure agreements. So um, always be very, very mindful of of including project or IP or title uh, information on a CV um, and a showreel on a LinkedIn profile because, as an industry, we understand that, that sometimes you're not able to disclose that information. And, you know, it is very much frowned upon um, to have that information included somewhere where it shouldn't be, and, and as a studio, we understand that, that you can't always publicise your involvement in certain IPs and, and projects, and, and that's okay. The main things
4: really to keep into a CV to keep it fixed. very, very clear. Personal details right at the top, so all your contact details are really easy to find. Um, make sure you've got a really sensible, good email address as well—not some funny <laughs> email address that's named after your pet and. I would also do just a very quick summary about some of your key skills perhaps some of your passions right at the top so to really hook someone in and then right from the top as i say just summarize your key experience and your key skills um, and the bits that are the most important um, and and the strongest attributes about yourself as you go down the page um don't try and drag it out over a couple of pages if all you've got is one page just make it a really really solid one page and make that cv stand out so that the person reading it wants to meet you and learn more the point of a cv is a summary of your experience it's not trying to give every single piece of experience and skill um to that person reading it it's to hook them in to make them want to see more
1: i think one way of uh summing up what they uh said is a reel is an advert for your skills, and a CV is an advert for you, and it's mm. all those kind of extracurricular yeah. stuff that doesn't, doesn't, isn't shown
2: on your on your reel. Yeah, I think sometimes, obviously, if you're a student, you might not necessarily have, or you won't have the work experience, and I think it, you can put something in there about you know I know that sort of group projects are promoted and and they're great for university projects and. If you've done that in experience, you can highlight, be humble about it, but highlight where you've gone above and beyond because that really informs us in, of, of how passionate you are. And that's okay to put in. doesn't necessarily have to be a, a work placement thing. And that's
1: that's generally how you, you you get up the ranks in studios, by showing your enthusiasm, by going beyond the call of duty yeah. and and doing that uh, extra step that... I-
0: yeah i mean i totally agree <clears throat> and one thing i would say as well just to add to that is like if you don't have experience and you've done uni work and you put in all that um if you've done stuff that's outside of the industry even if it's like you've worked you know you volunteer work or or, mm-hmm. or retail or whatever whatever jobs you did i think it just enforces you know, uh, you know obviously depends on your experience like if you're changing careers you you will have yeah experience um but it puts things into perspective I think for for the employer to see what kind of person you are as well mm. you know how serious mm. you are how what's your work ethic like
1: and what you've done outside of education in terms of if you learn software on your own exactly to, yeah. to, to us that shows how passionate you are mm. rather than done purely what's been asked of you at university or college
2: yeah definitely I uh, I think the, I, was, I think I was going to mention this earlier but have obviously noting down your experience in CV, but to, to be honest, just for quick access, I do normally just quickly open up their LinkedIn profile and yeah. go and go through that. Um, so it's good also to update that and make sure they are both updated when you send yeah. it over. Yeah.
1: But I think the main thing is just make it relevant, clear, and simple. You don't need to pad it out with a job at McDonald's
0: you had when you were sixteen. Cause exactly, it's yeah. It's not relevant. Oh, uh, you know, just one more thing to add, uh, people always say to always embellish and to kind of, just, you know, mm-hmm. I think there's a limit to that where it starts to then become out like out, just lying. Like you don't want to say stuff that's not who you are, what you've done, because if you were then chosen to come in and do the job, if it's not caught during the interview process, yeah. it's going yeah. to just backfire. So you keep, be, be honest, you know, mm-hmm. there's, even if a, if, if a job description says it requires experience, Sometimes people overlook that and just go with their you know if they if they feel you have the, the the skills and the talent and the passion, they will give you a chance.
2: Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean sell yourself, but don't oversell where you yeah you clearly yeah. shouldn't be um, because it's more our industry is a people industry, really. We want to know if we can get on with you and, and yeah. part of that comes through in the CV and yeah you're right. I think keep you it know, simple. keep it simple, be humble about it and yeah, yeah, yeah definitely
1: um next up we have um in terms of reapplying for studios so let's hear what they had to say on that
3: i'd say if you if you were applying to to leave it if you hadn't had a had a, a positive response then you don't necessarily want to reapply one month later because what what's changed in that one month unless you've gone away and, and suddenly changed a portfolio of reel then to to reapply a month later would would not be advised. I I guess if you want to reapply, then the the reason for doing so should be because the studio itself has has changed the the content of the role that you had previously applied for. Maybe the requirements have changed, maybe it's a different style of animation, Um, or indeed you've actually gone and polished your showreel and got some new shots in there and and you want to reapply because there's a genuine you feel there's a genuine reason that, that you're now more suitable for the role than perhaps you were when you first applied. Generally, I think two or three applications a year would be enough. Ultimately, if you've got a good portfolio, we won't forget about you. We'll, we'll make sure that you're catalogued and, and that, that you are um, listed in, in the, the database in an appropriate place with a, an appropriate piece of context added as to what projects should be suitable for. And, and you know, we, we will find the soonest opportunity to work with you. So reapplying, yeah, t- two or three times per year max, but make sure that the, the key point for that reapplication is because there's something changed from that first point of application. You've either got some new content in your showreel or the, the job requirements have, have obviously changed from the, the original advert.
4: So when we're recruiting, we're recruiting for a number of roles throughout the year. There's kind of no peaks and troughs, really. It really depends on the projects coming in and the type of work. But somebody may apply for a position and the demand at that time could be really, really high competition, incredibly high. And it might mean that you're unsuccessful. Um, We'd always encourage people to reapply for positions. Um, Competition is hard. And actually, it might be that you might not have been successful on one occasion. And then the next time you are. Um, all the while you're still learning, you're still developing, gaining new skills. So absolutely always consider reapplying for a role, Um, even if it's the same role. I probably wouldn't apply within, say, a week or two, because it could be that actually your skills aren't the right uh, fit for that job at at that point in time. Um, However, it might be worth asking sometimes for feedback if you've applied a couple of times for a position and haven't been successful and been offered an interview just to understand a little bit more whether it's a skills um, skills gap at the moment or if it's due to high competition and a fewer number of roles available. Um, but absolutely, I think perseverance is key. Keep going. Keep knocking at the doors. Keep getting feedback on your CV and show will, and keep making it the best it can be. Um, and don't give up
0: don't give up
1: and <laughs> and I think that's uh, one of the things that just because you don't get an interview doesn't mean your
0: work's good, not good enough you might just, just not be the right fit for that and, I'd say, and I'd say don't take it personal Yeah, yeah. you know I know it's, 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 it's easier said than done but you know it's just at the end of the day it's a, it's, it's, it's a job, it's, mm. a, it's, a, it's a business you know you, you, you are selling your skills so sometimes your skills don't match the project not the right time you need a bit more experience or more practice, but you know, don't take it personal.
2: And believe me, it's cliche, but it's like you date. You might apply to a hundred jobs, not hear anything back, and then just as soon as you've landed a role, you get you get the kind of email: yeah, yeah. "Are you free? Are you available?" It, it is sometimes it is just all about the the kind of time factor and things shift and move around, so it might not necessarily be any of those points. Yeah,
1: either. and I know I know the um, uh, you know. Uh, we're fully aware of of how how frustrating and annoying it is not getting a reply because yeah. you know if i was on the other side i'd i'd want to reply but unfortunately there's just not enough hours in the day to reply to every single um, person which is which is equally frustrating for us mm. as it is for the for the um applicants and um, so i think the best thing to do is just to try and um contact people other ways by email or LinkedIn to try and get some feedback, or as I said before, going to animation festivals, which is the the best way
2: yeah, of getting definitely. feedback. Yeah,
0: That's definitely, I think, the one, you know, the reason why the studios are there is because they want to see you. I mean, I know we've spoken about this before, but it kind of connects to this const, this this topic, where if you don't hear back, if you're, you know, not getting to, you know your foot in the door, you know, you might not get a response if you email the studio. Sometimes you might not get one if you email leads or directors because they're busy. But if you see them at a festival, that's the time to ask. That's the time to yeah. see what am I doing wrong? Yeah. How can I? How can I? You know, fix this. What? What? what, what where am I going wrong?
2: They've, they've set time aside. Also, for me, when we've done this, it's really nice to do it all in the space of sort of an hour or two hours or whatever it is because. You get some context as to especially what's happening at universities or you know, or freelancers and stuff and it just informs us about what's going on as well yeah. and it, it's it's just so much easier to communicate with someone where where those issues might be or what they do successfully. Yeah, definitely face-to-face is the...
0: But don't apply it again with the same showreel. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah if, no. if you didn't get in the first time yeah. with that one...
1: Because
2: then you'll remember it and then yeah. you'll just go past... Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah I remember
1: the showreel. <laughs> but then that, that's tricky because you don't know if you haven't uh, got that job the first time mm. just because there's someone else with slightly more experience you got it. So I think that's the tricky thing when applying for a job is without any uh, feedback, you don't yeah. know whether you should apply for it or not because you don't know if it's your work good enough or if it's you weren't right or mm. just because there was someone else who was slightly better than you or, or who
0: who lived slightly nearer i guess i guess it definitely is about being in the right place at the right time and yeah. having the right content yeah and sometimes you might have the right content it's not the right time mm. I mean, if,
2: if, if you're having a re- recurring problem that you're not getting any response, definitely just, you know, go and sh- go and show your stuff to someone, get some feedback yeah. and, and then move on from there. But yeah, it can be so many different factors. You, mm. you never know. Cool.
1: Um, so we, we wanted to kind of ask people what your uh, what people's tips were for increasing a chance of getting an interview. So here's what they said.
3: The best way to boost the chances to get a job interview is, is, you know, the most obvious way is have an awesome portfolio Um, and we'll be very keen to to chat with you. But I think portfolio aside, um, ideally you want to find a unique way to present your work, your CV, your application, find a way to stand out from everyone else, um, considering the volume of applications that Access and I'm sure many other studios get. Making sure you have a, a good online presence is is um, necessary as well because a recruitment team as well as direct applications go out and, and source a lot of great talent, as I've already said. So having that online presence um, is vital in order for us to be able to find the talent, find you, find your awesome showreel um, and make contact with you. Um, making sure that, that your contact details, your email address, your phone number is, is up to date and it's accurate and that you check your junk mail and you make sure that when you've been applying or posted new content online that you're actively keeping an eye on your emails in case you get that, uh, that golden ticket in from a studio who says we've just spotted your showreel, we really want to chat with you and you miss an opportunity because you've you've missed an email that was sent a month ago.
4: When you're starting out in the industry, particularly the competition is so high, um, and and sometimes it can you can underestimate how hard it is to get into the industry. I think. Um, but a, what I would say is the resilience, the keeping on applying, um, keep going, keep trying, keep trying different studios, and your time will come. You will have the opportunity, and when you get given that opportunity make sure you give it your all so it's not just about um, being able to use all the skills you hoped you'd be able to use in your dream job being an animator. You might, might have started as a runner and you might be doing jobs that you think, oh, this is a bit frustrating, it's not quite where I wanted to be. But actually, it's absolutely fundamental to do that to your best of your ability, to show that you're really keen, you're really willing, you've got the most fantastic attitude and they are the people that will always fly. They're the people that stand out. That make you want to pick them up and take them along with you in your studio and and give them the best possible opportunities Um, that's how we we do that very much at Jellyfish we're a studio of a medium it's a medium sized studio and finding those people with that that fundamental attitude that is so positive that they always put their hand up to help is absolutely fundamental to helping develop their career but also building the best possible team we can
1: So I I guess it's it comes down to the show rule. There's if your show is not strong, there's there are no shortcuts. No. there there are very little ways you can boost your chance because that's the key. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and just keep on on top of it because everything they said was was sort of spot on. But also, you know, not just your own emails, but keep on top of social media for studios you want to work at because especially if you're uh, a grad. And well, before I, you know, when I landed my job at Blue Zoo, I didn't know what I was going to do and you might not necess- necessarily know because a lot of animation courses or people's experience when they're when they're kind of at that level um is quite broad and you might not necessarily know exactly what job profile you fit into and something might come up that you'd be a good fit for they spoke about being a runner you know, we, we don't have runners in the studio, but we do take on a lot of grads for entry level jobs. And when we when we do look at applications for that, yes, the, the guys with the with the with the skill set that are in their reels, of course, they get a better chance. But we do also look um, at a broader sense um, across sort of multiple skill sets and those. So there's no reason to cater it for the job, obviously. But we understand that if you're a graduate and, and a starting um, position that we do. We do look at a little bit more than that so it's it's really sort of how active you are i think, just I think you need, sure you need to be it.
0: open yeah you need to be open to whatever opportunity comes your way as long as it's still within the realm of what you want to do yeah just be open like you know just because you want to say i know this is kind of taking it a step further but say oh you, you definitely only want to work in games but then let's say you do get an opportunity to work on you know commercials you know don't just reject that because yeah. you you only want to do games because any experience is good experience and even if it's not within what you want to do but you get to experience what it's like in a studio again mm. that's also you know so like like they said just you know grab it but you know grab the bull by the horns yeah yeah, yeah. that's the that's same the saying.
1: and i think what um, sarah said about uh, resilience mm-hmm. is key in terms of you boost your chances by applying for lots of jobs with with relevance so by tailoring your your CV or Cheryl to that specific studio but then just doing that as much as possible then hopefully you'll land on the right timing and the right type of job for your your skills yeah but not not feeling uh hopeless when you don't get replies or it takes a couple of months to find a job mm-hmm. which was easier said than done but I think that's that's one of the keys to boosting your chances is by planting lots of those seeds out there so People can find you, yeah. and you
0: there's a you get a higher chance of getting an interview. Yeah, I think definitely one of the last things you want to do is make it difficult for people to find you. Yeah, you know, just being able to Google your name at least after seeing like, because sometimes it's by no fault, you know, no one's no one's fault. Something might be wrong with the link. Something might be. So I'll give you an opportunity. I'll I'll Google your name, and if that doesn't turn up anything, yeah, then I wouldn't want to put any more effort trying to figure out what you do where you are you know yeah. just at least have something somewhere whether it's a linkedin uh, the, you know vimeo art station you know whatever yeah
2: and just coming back to saying you know don't give up the per- perseverance it's if, if if you're a grad and you're feeling a little bit down about it just know that you can be senior you can be experienced and you'll still probably deal with the same thing because like we said, these, these um, sort of schedules shift around, the d- d- demand changes, you know, within the year and you, you kind of never really know about.
1: And by this. nature, everyone's so passionate about their jobs. Yeah. Therefore, they're always going to want to be doing better, which yeah, means yeah. you're always going to feel like you're not quite good enough, which is the nature
0: of the business. So yeah.
1: you kind of have to get used to that. I think know? if you and, if, understand it's part of being a creative.
0: I think if you ever yeah. get to the point where you feel you're good enough, just, just might as well quit. Because yeah, I totally that means you're not going to, that's it, you've reached your, your, yeah. your peak, you're not going to improve, you're not going to push yourself.
1: Yeah, and then you'll just start getting a little bit... Um...
0: I mean, don't get me wrong, confidence is good, but there's there's a difference between confidence and then saying, oh, I, I'm, I'm definitely good.
2: Yeah, you know? it's yeah. a fast moving... Well, yeah. uh, what? areas in it and yeah. as an industry, but also creatively, yeah.
0: Because the better you get, the better you are at seeing things, which means yeah. you'll be seeing work that's better than yours, and yeah. you constantly want to achieve and push yourself yeah. to keep getting better. And I mean, better. if
1: you we talked about this more in the last podcast with uh, Ben in yeah. terms of that balance of confidence versus arrogance, yeah, and it's a very important balance to get right. So if you haven't listened to that one, yeah, go and we'll check it there. out. <laughs> um, so we also uh, wanted to find kind of do's and don'ts of uh, recruiters' experience of of what uh, regular problems they see people have applied, uh, have put on their CVs?
3: I think one of the most common mistakes that we see is um, someone applying for a job that they're, they're clearly not got the right level of experience for. The The best examples are, you know, we'll post, we'll post a, a lead rigging role and we will get a lot of new graduates applying for that. And, you know, it's quite clear the job description and, and the requirements, i.e., they're they're breaking down um, elements for for pitches. They're working with a supervisor to to manage a project team. You know, it's all these types of uh, experience that's listed, and and you get a new graduate applying for that. So, yeah, I think I think ultimately there needs to be more awareness and and thought given to the roles that people are actively applying for if, if you if there's no rigging role or a, or even a junior rigging role advertised on a company's website then send a speculative application i would say that's a better way to still get an application into a do rather than applying for a lead or a supervisor or a senior position that's advertised because it just It just jars with what your level of ability is, and it makes us question why you've applied for that in the first place. Send a speculative one instead.
4: I think common mistakes when you're applying for a job are things like when people are a bit sloppy, they might have spelling mistakes or they haven't taken much care over how they've presented something. they've done something really generic that makes you feel like you've just sent this application to 54 companies and we're no different. You don't particularly want to work for us. Um, um, but it's the it's the basic things that see it when people seem rushed, they're a bit sloppy, they haven't taken the care. It's really evident in the way a CV is written, in the way where the person it's addressed to, um, the date, there might be their telephone number is incorrect, that kind of thing. So the, they're the most irritating mistakes and actually in this industry if you think that you can't even take that care over the presentation of your cv and your show reel then it's a real turn off and a bit of a no-no so avoid to just take the extra five minutes to review your cv get someone else to have a look look through it um and likewise with your show get someone else to look at it give some honest feedback about it and make it the best it can be
1: I think that's such an invaluable piece of information and a tip to just check, get someone to look, your friend, your parents, anyone, just it'll take them five minutes to look through. And then you can so easily have a glaringly obvious mistake Mm -hmm. that you're completely blind to because you've spent so long in it. And it's such a simple thing to do that can, that can save you from being rejected from a job.
0: Yeah. Although one thing I think that we, we need to kind of maybe mention is, um, so like when you're applying, I mean, we did mention this earlier, like when you're applying for something to apply for something that you can kind of see that you are eligible for that role. So if you're a junior and they're looking for a supervisor, obviously that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But again, I I wouldn't say that you shouldn't try to push for things that yeah. might be out, a little bit outside of your sort of experience because not every single... Um, <laughs> requirement for the job Mm. is you know quote unquote required some some of it can be overlooked based on the right candidates.
2: I completely agree but when you're when you're about to apply for that in your own mind you should be able to answer the question fine you don't have necessarily all those sort of tick boxes but if you don't, how would you envisage doing this job? And You know, mm. you, you need to be able to explain yourself and why, why you're going to go for well, it. How do you
0: compensate and
1: bring something exactly, else to the table? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a contradictory message there, isn't there, in terms yeah. of mm. saying,
0: uh, go for it, embrace <laughs> life, apply for jobs, but don't apply for too many. <laughs> yeah, I think just use common sense, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you don't know anything about programming, yeah. and the but role requires programming... Play for and I,
1: I it. I'd say if you're if you're kind of missing one or two years off the experience it requires then go for it. But yeah. if they're saying like we need 10, 15 years experience yeah. and you're a graduate, there's there's you're wasting your time applying yeah. for that job because it's nowhere near what you need. So there's uh they're asking the reason they're asking for that experience is not for skill level but it's for their soft skills of running a team, being mm. able to communicate, as we've talked about in previous um podcasts. There they want that experience that you can only get from running a team for 10 years and a young person who's new to the industry is simply not going to have those, those skills and experience to be able to, to run a team of 10 people.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Um, although there is one cheeky thing I used to do. Um, sometimes some studios wouldn't have speculative applications, so they'd have the role and I'd understand, okay, so then they're definitely working on something. So I'd email and I'll say, listen, I know I'm not the right guy for this, but
3: mm. are you looking
0: for animators? That's what I used to do. And sometimes they would say, actually, not at the moment, but within a month or two, we are. So we'll hold on to your details. And that has actually yeah, worked out actually for me. Yeah,
2: that's actually really good advice. So yeah. it's, not,
0: it's not, you know, you can still get in touch because obviously that, that sparks something for you. But I would say, you know, just use common sense again, you know.
2: That's real savvy. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And one, one thing I wanted to mention as well about so um, uh, so sort of double checking things. If you have a website and it's a simple thing as firstname, lastname.com, double check that it's actually still active when you send it out with your CV. Because mm. I've been in that situation before where I was actually invited for an interview, I had no other copy of my CV, and I sat down mm. and my yeah. website has expired. And they, they looked at it and they're like, scrambling. And to they find said, well, like... sorry, there's not much of a the the shortest is, uh, interview in the world. <laughs> it was the shortest <laughs> interview in the world. Yeah. To,
2: to follow on from that, this happens quite a lot. When, if you've got things on your showreel that you can't sort of publicly release and you've password protected it, so many times people forget to put the password in the cover letter, So there's no way for us to access it. And then no matter how great your cover letter is, gonna really chase we're not going to go <laughs> and find your work. So, yeah, just remember that as well.
1: Cool. Yeah. Um, moving on to animation tests, which is something uh, quite common when applying for uh, jobs as animators. Um, so we wanted to hear what the studio's takes are on that.
3: So I guess my advice in terms of responding on being asked to do a test is, is to find out how you can make that test work for you, uh, even if you don't necessarily get an immediate job out of it. So, for example, I would be inclined to, to find out if you can use that test piece for your showreel. I hear you're going to be given a piece of... of um, company IP and um, company asset and rig and all that kind of stuff that, that you're only going to be able to use to then submit to that particular studio and that piece of work's never going to see the light of day. If, however, that's not the case, then it's a no-brainer that you should, if you've got the time and the inclination to do the test and feel you're capable of doing the test, then why would you not do a test? Because then, worst-case scenario, if you don't get the job, then you've got that nice new shot for your showreel. Um if you're not able to, to, to use that particular test as, as a new showreel piece, then I guess the kind of obvious things to find out is, is how long a test piece is going to be. Is it a couple of days? Is it a couple of weeks? When you're kind of getting into a couple of week territory, it feels like that's, that's too long for a test. Um, I, I would I would make sure that you find out how how soon afterwards you would expect to be given a decision. Um, I'd also ask how many others may be taking the test and how many roles people are actually uh, being considered for, just to allow you to form a more um, contextualised opinion of of whether you should do the test or not. Um, Certainly for AXIS, uh, we look to engage with individuals that we ask to do a test, with them having the opportunity to use that test piece at a later date.
4: The reason for doing the test is to understand not only the skill level, but the creative, creativity and the creative thought process that they obviously go through when completing that. So um, it's a really good sort of lower level indication of of how that person works and their all round understanding of, of the brief that would have been given them to them. Um, and again, that's kind of an, helps us make an alignment to between that person and the particular position and the project as well some projects perhaps are more straightforward than others um so uh again doing a test will allow us to understand a bit more um how that person best fits for that role
1: so i guess in a in an ideal world you never need people to do tests but in reality sometimes you just don't know if people would be a good fit and a test is the the best and safest way of doing that if the applicants are are willing and have got the time
0: I think, I think I can only speak on like how, you know, uh, I've experienced it, uh, from both ends. Um, so probably like a couple of years back, uh, I wanted to get into games and because I never had games experience, I had to do a test. Um, so that was, you know, it, it makes sense. You know, they want to see what my animation would look like, not just visually based on my showreel, but how does it actually hold up, I guess, within, uh, their technical requirements. And then from our end as well, like just as a TV animation director, you know, I might see someone showreel. I don't know how long that shot took. So I just want to kind of gauge yeah. how they would be able to handle an actual shot. So I'd say, okay, you've got two days to do this shot and we're not looking uh, to sort of, um, you know, give them a impossible task. It's just to kind of see if they fit sort of the, uh, the, 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 the time constraints that we have. And I'm sure every studio has their own requirements for why they need to do a test. I think they, they did mention one thing important is if you need to be weary as well. Just make sure that, you know, um, you know you're not being taken advantage of. That's yeah. one thing. It's, it's, very, it's, not as, it's not as common, obviously, with like the big studios and the, the named studios. But, you know, you do see it happened online, you know, mm. being posted on yeah. university forums and studios, uh, sorry, students asking them to do certain things. Well, we do
1: hear some horror stories of where tests have actually ended up in the final project exactly. final things,
0: which is you know Yeah, that's that's very unethical. And I think you yeah. just need to be keep your keep your eyes open for that.
1: And I think you have to have a slight bit of confidence in saying like Jill said where if you can use it in your um, mm. in your showreel, so sometimes they might give you a, a rig that is you can't use in your reel. But I think you could, it's always worth trying. Look, can I use this rig? Because I'd lo- like to be able to use this in my show reel. Yeah. So just there's no there's no harm in asking.
0: I, and I'd definitely say that when it comes to doing animation, it's less risky because you'll be able to tell if this is a shot that belongs in a show or a film. Whereas with design, I think it's quite risky because once yeah. you have given yeah. the design out, there's not much you can do. Yeah, like, you know. definitely.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we've had, um, I think the only instance um, I've been involved in doing it was to try out a character modeler mm. who had wonderful stuff um, you know, in, in their portfolio, but we needed to check if it, it might have been the right fit for us in terms of our workflow. Um, and in that instance, you know, it was sort of, um, and for some design work, it was just sort of you, you give a character bio or a design brief, and it's how well you can meet that. Um, and in that case, again, if it's, un- if it's very close to the design of, of, of the project and it's under NDA, then no, you can't put it on, on your reel. But a lot of the time, we just ask for a demonstration. So, yeah, you can definitely put that design or, or that model or whatever it is into your portfolio. So, yeah, it might be to your advantage because at least then you're probably going to get some feedback as well. Yeah. So it's quite useful.
1: And I think the main thing is to, f- to understand and ask questions on the purpose Of the tests. So, why are you being asked to do it? So, you Mm. can approach it from that reasoning. Yeah. The final thing we wanted to talk about was LinkedIn. Um, Some people use it, some people don't, or don't quite understand its relevance. Mm. So, I really wanted to ask the uh, studios and ask Jill and Sarah how how they use it and what they find it useful for.
3: Well, I think. all our recruitment team here use LinkedIn and, and I believe our <clears throat> heads of departments also use LinkedIn as well to, to look for talent. And, and as, it's especially a good place to, to find passive talent and um, passive candidates. Um, so as, as a studio, we have um, taken substantial steps forward in the last couple of years to, to have a much better um business profile on there and and be releasing lots of content on a regular basis to actually engage with, um, talent and artists in the industry, um, who follow our pages, for example. Um, and through that, then anyone that follows Access is getting up to date information on job vacancies, on studio news, and it kind of builds that level of engagement from a business perspective, from an artistic perspective, um, I think we use it in such a way that we are able to search statuses of everyone's profile. Um, So much the same way that Facebook, you've got a status area in Facebook, then you can create a status area in LinkedIn and, you know, you can change that status that says to available for work, looking for opportunities and, and making those types of changes to your status within your profile is exactly the way that, that studios like us and and you know all the other studios operate within LinkedIn to actually find talent.
4: From my perspective, in my role, what I do, like I, I'm, I always accept people who want to connect via LinkedIn. Some people send short messages, which I appreciate, and I'll try and acknowledge. Um, I can't respond, obviously, to all applica- people applying or asking me specific recruitment questions. I'll try and send that through to the recruitment team as we'll always do our very best to try and make sure some acknowledgement um, of anyone making contact with anyone at jellyfish. Um, But the best way is, yeah, connect with as many people, you know, in an, in a company that you'd like to um, join. Um, It gives you some insight into um, the company. So at jellyfish, anyone link, anyone who connects with me can see some posts that I might put up there. um, If they, if they also join company LinkedIn pages or any other social media pages, again, it gives them some insight into what that company's like to work for, some of the projects that they're working on. So it's a good information sort of platform. Um, Even if there's not a particular job at that particular time, it allows you to keep in contact with them and see what they're working on and whether it's um, something that you want to be part of.
0: I have a different experience to that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I agree with what they're saying, but I, I personally, ever since I was from the very first, uh, I forgot what they called it, but from the first million who joined LinkedIn. So they give you this badge and they're like, they make a big deal out of it. I have never once received a single job application via LinkedIn. Mm. But what I will say is I personally find it to be like um, a a digital business card platform where if I meet someone... Um, I like to search for them. If I find them, I add them on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So in the past, I used to kind of, you know, do that, you know, relentlessly. Whenever I meet someone, you know, blah, 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 lead director, this and that, I look for them, add them on LinkedIn. Just because even if nothing comes of it, it's just having them there, I guess, made me feel more connected to the yeah. industry. Mm-hmm. And then now it's in the reverse happening where I'm getting lots of students adding me. And it now connects me with what's going on with students, and I guess they get connected to the industry. For me, that's where I found it useful: Mm. getting news, finding out what's going on. But I, I I personally haven't received, or uh, tried to apply, either.
1: Yeah, I I guess from in in regards to that, what uh, when I've recruited people before, you then they've applied via the website, and then you've looked on. LinkedIn yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you've used it to see all of their, their work and see who they know so I think just because you didn't get a job directly through. directly through LinkedIn doesn't mean LinkedIn played no role in you get getting a job yeah I guess yeah
2: um, yeah I agree I think it is what you're saying it is essentially an electronic um, business card um, and it, it really yeah you don't have to sort of keep on top of it yeah it doesn't necessarily need to go anywhere but it is all about it is that sort of online networking isn't it it's, it is that hub that we said before it links out to everything else um and definitely i think yeah i i usually just as a, as a quick link check it as opposed to open up a pdf cv yeah so for that yeah. it's great and for checking what's happening in studios and stuff it's great too because i know we always do a, do a quick sort of shout out don't yeah. we on there and um and and also just yeah it, it's the it's the common link too mm. and it's always um sort of uh, you hear that you know if you've got a contact you can get your foot in the door and 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 it's true because like i said before i think we mentioned that it it can it's a lot about sort of relationships and trust and this kind of thing and if we know you've worked with someone before we might contact that person and say you know how 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 are they and would you think they'll be a good fit for our studio so it's good for that kind of thing too yeah it's not always immediately noticeable that you've maybe gone via that channel but it's 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 just
1: another way of getting yourself out there yeah um because i think it's so hard to um, meet people inside studios because you can email but everyone gets so many emails you can't reply to every email you get. Um, So having kind of LinkedIn allows that kind of passive kind of Mm. communication where we can kind of connect with each other and then when they update their show you can just see it so Mm. it's you're just there in the background so you're reminding, reminding people that you exist. Which all those small they, things set up.
2: Yeah, even directly actually, because when you just said about the emails, I have responded to quick chats on LinkedIn because that's kind of how we communicate even within yeah. the studio. It's just much quicker. You do a few lines of you know, oh hi, how are you? You know, are, are you available? It's it, it's really actually still quite um much quicker than sort of going through a formal email sometimes oh, yeah. if you can. Yeah.
1: And and Jill mentioned embracing the status by saying, mm-hmm. if you're available, put that in your status because. Yeah. For a recruiter to see you're available, that's like, you're going to jump on that straight away rather than looking at people who might not be available. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I just want to add one last thing to that and say, remember that this is a professional platform because the amount of times I sometimes see sort of Facebook-like status Mm. updates where people are like, whether they're ranting about something or... or, Count the triangles in a picture. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I get it. Some of these are clickbait and they, they, they tend to you know, get attention, but you know, you don't want to be that person. Yeah. You know, just, just keep it professional, yeah. um, and you know, remember you've got Facebook for Facebook, and you've got <laughs> LinkedIn for LinkedIn, Yeah. if you have Facebook.
1: I think um, Jill also mentioned, um, afterwards, um, it was, on LinkedIn, there's great, uh, one of the great things about it is the groups you can join, mm-hmm. where you can actually ask people to look at your reels, yeah. and get critiques, and to post your website, and get feedback and that ties into what we we're saying earlier about it's another way of just ensuring that mm. what you've what you've made is is the best it can be and if there are any small little tweaks you can make people can can help you with that on linkedin
2: and to be honest you know we're not the the most confident kind of people in 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 our industry sometimes you know it's good to have face to face and a lot of people find it a bit more comfortable to join a community online, yeah, and yeah. that's totally okay. And this this sort of gives, this is, gives, yeah, gives you a, a platform. nice yeah.
0: yeah a nice kind of door into that. Yeah. Cool.
1: Well, that's all the questions we had today. I just wanted to ask people what their their biggest kind of takeaway from that is. What's what's the one tip well, you'd say?
0: Um, I think the one the one tip I would I would give away would be obviously show reel is king. So that's number one thing, put all your effort into that. But then beyond that, I'd say just be professional, keep it simple, be honest, and you know, just make it easy for people to contact you. Don't, don't, don't over embellish and complicate it. Yeah, there you go.
2: Um, completely agree with that. I think beyond that is uh, keep on top of what's happening now, be current, check what other people are doing in their reels, what studios are doing, and apply it to your own show role and your own work. And learn to critique your own stuff, you know. Yeah. Be be harsh on yourself and um, but then don't take it personally because everyone experiences it regardless of, of, of their position and their background in this industry. It's competitive, so don't be put off.
1: Excellent. Speaking of learning to critique your own work, Anim Dojo, if you don't know, is the uh, we basically started it to learn how to critique your work on your own. So obviously this is part of the Anim Dojo podcast um, and Anim Dojo was built from scratch as a way to practice your CG animation with tons of video tutorials, weekly live streams, workshops, rigs to download for just £15 a month. So there's the, there's the advert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that played a really nice <laughs> um, But we want to continue this conversation. Uh, so if you go to the um, YouTube version of this podcast, There's the comments underneath. So if you agree or disagree, we want to hear your thoughts or if you just have any comments, we'd love to uh, start a conversation there following on from this podcast. Um, So the next podcast we've got is uh, the do's and don'ts of interviews and how to prepare for an interview. So for that, we spoke to Framestore and Double Negative. So look out for that podcast coming next. But that's it. So we really want to say thanks uh, to Jill Wallace from Axis and Sarah Tanner from Jellyfish Pictures, for allowing us to speak to them, uh, to contribute to the podcast, and of course to Nagar as well. From doing no it's a pleasure. Thanks. Um, and that's it. So from me, Tom. Thanks and for listening.
2: Nader. And Nagar.
0: Thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, happy animating. See you guys soon.